Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your co-host, Leaning Heiss, and we're so glad you're here. Kids ask the best questions, sometimes even questions that leave us scrambling to find the answers. Questions like, does God know who I am? Do I truly know who God is? And how do I learn about him? These are questions children ask all the time at Bible to School. And maybe these are the questions the children in your life have too. But before we as adults answer these questions for our children, we need to dive into them and answer them for ourselves. That's why we're so excited to introduce our guest today, New York Times bestselling author, Mo Aiken. In her newest book, Fully Known, An Invitation to True Intimacy with God, Mo tackles how to be fully known and fully know God to ensure a deeper relationship with him. Today, Bible to Schools president, Corey Pennypacker, is talking to Mo, and you are going to love her. Before we get started this week, I want to say a great big thanks to those of you who are sharing your favorite episodes with a friend. I have loved so many of them and find the creativity that Bible to School is using to reach the next generation fresh and encouraging. Would you share your favorite episodes with a friend today? Also, you don't need to pull over and take notes during today's episode because you can find all the resources you need in our show notes at BibleToSchool.com. That's our web address, Bible2School.com. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. We're so glad to have somebody very special on You Can Tell the Children today. This is Mo Isom and Isom Aiken. Did I say it wrong? No, that's good. Mo Isom Aiken. Yep. <laughs> We're really glad to have you. And it's the first time I'm meeting you, but I feel like I know you since I've read your book. You have such a passion for God and, and for his word. But before we talk about your book, Fully Known, would you tell us about yourself, about your family, about your journey? Sure. Absolutely. I'll start in the present and then I'll rewind a little <laughs> to how we got here. But I am a wife to uh, my wonderful husband, Jeremiah. We are coming up on seven years of marriage and it's been- Congratulations. Thank you. Next month, <laughs> I believe it is, but it's been life through a fire hose. We have four kids to show for that in a very short amount of time. Wow. Um, so yes, I'm also mother to a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-month-old. And we really consider ourselves like a multi-generational family team on mission. I stole that phrase that was coined by a friend of mine, but it is so applicable to our lives because we have- Like it. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's powerful to see the family as that, a team, right? And mm -hmm. that everybody brings something to the table and even the younger ones who sometimes what's brought is joy and laughter and a little chaos. That is, uh, you know, we're cultivating the gifts and the strengths in each and every person and laboring for the kingdom together. So we, I've authored books and we travel the country and internationally and 
minister the gospel. And we, we do that as a team, you know, it, it looks unique each and every time of how we carry that out, but it's such a blast. We have a lot of fun doing it and have grown so much, I guess, functioning this way as a family team. We're in a fun season right now that my oldest is just starting kindergarten and we're going the homeschool route with that because we travel so frequently and it's just an adventure. It's a noisy, chaotic household. You might hear some of it in the background, <laughs> but it's a lot of joy. And I, I think when I look back to where I was even 10, 11, 11 years ago, I mean, to imagine where I am now would have been like the furthest thing <laughs> whatsoever from my understanding. I had, I had been raised up in a Christian home, but then had just, I would say really kind of Bible belt faith, you know, church on Sunday. And I know all about God, but I hadn't really encountered God. There's a difference between knowing all about God and knowing God. So raised up learning and knowing a lot about him, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I actually endured quite a bit of adversity and trials. I struggled with identity issues and eating disorder through high school and then lost my dad very unexpectedly to suicide in college. And and you wrote a you wrote a book did about yeah that. my my first book yes. uh, wreck my life journeying from broken to bold kind of accounts the arc of of my testimony to the point where I wrote it but yeah it involves you know self harm and identity issues and suicide of my dad and then really a horrific car accident myself but it was actually in that mm. place of ultimate brokenness literally physically wounded at this point too that the mm. spirit of God just encountered me in a very real very powerful way, everything changed. And so I would say that was the point where the trajectory of my life began to shift, where I came out of a lot of like facade Christianity, I guess you could say, and Mm -hmm. came into a lot of healing, a lot of transformation, a lot of deliverance, and just a, a redirection, a burning passion in my heart of where you say, I go, I'll follow God. You know, it's like Samuel's prayer under Eli, like, like, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And that was what began the internal transformation that has grown me into who I am today and who I hope to continue to grow into as a wife, a mother, a woman of God, but also changed Uh really the trajectory of the practical, applicable steps of my life too. I thought I'd be a broadcast journalism major, but instead I minister the gospel. I think that's really neat. It's a powerful truth to all of our testimonies. When we truly encounter God, we change and we realize that means the choices we make, the world around us, the ways that we're activated to bring change, we have the courage and the vision and the passion to do so. So that's where we're at now. Call me back in five years and we'll see where the kid count is at and where (laughs) the life journey's at, but it's been fun. Well, one thing that, I mean, in your passion, you can tell, and our listeners are listening, you can tell, the one thing that I, I did know about you is that early on, you were, um, before that transformation in your life, you were a, a soccer player, you played on the U.S. national team, you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Well, I won, right? I was the Sports Illustrated, like, oh, what was it called? Faces in the crowd. I wasn't on the cover. That would have been cool. That would have been oh, cool. But yeah, I okay. made uh, well, faces hey. on the crowd and like sports <laughs> center top 10 plays. I, I scored in college a neat. 90 yard goal, which had like never been done before. And so that was a really neat and crazy and unreplicable moment. I could never do it again. <laughs> it was a very neat sort of sports <laughs> highlight. And uh, yeah, 
Well, with, with your children, I know you're putting mm-hmm. God in their hearts and you're, you're really doing that. Now, if they followed in your footsteps with sports, a lot of kids that are around us and you can tell the children, we have lots of influencers here of children. What would you say to them about, about that, about sports? And my advice would not be what you might expect. I think having the vantage point that I do, at least presently, what life looked like growing up for me. Sports played such a big role. Like you said, I was a soccer player. I played very competitively. I was Mm -hmm. very gifted. And that progressed, Mm -hmm. you know, through youth. It achieved me a college scholarship, travel around the Mm -hmm. world. I mean, there were so many blessings. But at the same time, I look back too, and I see the costs that were made for that gain. And those costs Mm -hmm. often were made by or affected my family team. So I look back and I think, you know, everything in our family was about most soccer weekends. We're traveling for soccer, like the money, the extra money Mm. it's going towards those trips for soccer. And I had siblings, I had a sister and, you know, I see how maybe that affected her and that so much of the focus went to, Mm -hmm. to the sport. And so I'm in an interesting how did it affect your relationship with God? How did like? It's a great question. The, you know, was he number one, or was as being a soccer player number one? I would say there was him? probably a lot of idolatry in the way I worshipped the game more than I worshipped God, and it was cultivated in our family environment too, in the sense that it was like if we can get to gathering with the fellowship, like if we can get to church on Sunday, but if we have a tournament, you know, we're traveling for soccer, and I think again a lot of weighing what's the cost and what's the gain, what's the long-term vision, what's most important. All of those things are really important for families to walk in and to carry and to continually consider as they might have a child or children who are gifted athletically. But I do think there is a defined line we have to toe and prayerfully navigate because there was a lot too that was cultivated in my heart of a performance-based understanding that kind of flowed into my spiritual life as well. Mm-hmm. Like when I perform well, when I win, when I succeed, notice all of these sentences are about I, 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 I. when I <laughs> <Yes>. do this, <laughs> then I am praised then I win a game and I'm daddy's best girl. You know, I'm in the front seat riding home. Mm. But when I lose mm-hmm. in my home, I'd get the silent treatment or I'd be, my, my parents would be disappointed. Wow. You know, my dad, especially. And mm. he's God very different, different than that. Than that. He? He's very different. But <laughs> as a parent, I mean, I can't look back and throw stones at my parents. They were moving forward in sure. what they knew. And I, I believe pouring in to kind of accelerate and champion on those talents. But I can look back and learn how I may want to do things differently because I would say by the end of my sports career, when I moved out into the real world and then my goodness, when I got to marriage and then kids, I don't think Jesus ever intended our lives be about I and that we have to perform for our love from God or perform and be good enough for him. It's actually a life laid down for others and our efforts and our talents to be poured out for others and our intimacy to be cultivated with him in relationship where we learn it's not about performance. It's about presence. And that was a really big learning curve for me. And I had to be removed from sports to really start to understand it. Well, that, that idea of when when things are 
pour into you when you are filled up with God versus other things. Just keeping an eye on that. You you can you can pour into other people when you mm-hmm. when you are filled up. And so your book seems to do that. Your speaking schedule seems to do that for and you, you speak speak mostly at women's conferences. Is that right? Yeah, women's conferences, churches for various events. Uh, we travel to mm-hmm. I'll head tomorrow to Baton Rouge to speak at like a, a national single mothers conference. So it just varies. It looks different season to season and and we see what the Lord presents. Yeah. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to school kids. Who made me? In our spiritual core, all of us have a desire to know our creator. Our children are no different. What an awesome and tremendous opportunity we have to introduce our children to God who created them, loves them, and wants to have a relationship with them. When the child in your life asks a question like this, explore the Psalms, praise God for his creative works, celebrate what makes them special, and thank God for creating the world and everything in it. When you have these, your thoughts on on God and your experience and, you know, you're overflowing, I love that you're pouring into people. What do you want this book fully known? An invitation to true intimacy with God. What kind of things do you want people to take away from this book when the dust settled? It's a great question. The heart of it, I think, might speak to many people listening in right now in that where the book was even birthed from was my own place of burnout, of doing many good things, right? Previous books encounter me when I was like living in the wild sin and you know, Jesus came and, and opened my eyes to truth. But this one I find is a very under-discipled area in the church and especially to parents with their busy lives and full plates of high need and important obligations and responsibilities. It's an under-discipled area when we've been walking with Jesus, when we know that voice of the Good Shepherd, when we have indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and yet somehow we still feel distant and dry. We're pouring out, we're doing all the things we think maybe I'll start another, you know, venture or um, maybe I just need to do more. Maybe it's like all of these good things. So for me, it was, you know, marriage and I'm bearing children and I'm doing ministry and I'm going. And yet it was like my spirit came up for air and felt so far from God. And I'm like, this can't be the fullness of this life of blood-bought faith. It can't be that genuine relationship, because we say that, right? It's not religion, it's relationship. But I'm looking around and my relationships aren't all healthy. I don't even know if I have a full understanding of like what vibrant relationship looks like. It can't be that this relational love leaves me feeling used and tired and worn. And so what are you saying, God? Because I, I must not have the full grasp. And it was in that place that he invited me into this journey of understanding what it means to truly know him and to be known by him. We talk about that at Bible to School. We tell our volunteers who are with the children, the small group leaders, we say, man, you, you want to develop these relationships so that you can model who God is and you, they can understand that you're valued by the creator, they see the need for a relationship because I think everybody has that need to be known and, and to fully know him. Correct? Right. Right. It's the heart of the gospel, really. We're in kind of a time, an era of the church where there's a lot of left 
brain. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of teaching. Many of us may open our Bibles and we read it in truth, right? We can read the black and white letter and we work to apply it to our lives. But if we don't have the balance of the right brain, of the experiential encounter, of the intimacy of what does the word say that we would know him in spirit and in truth, that we would read the word and not just absorb the text, but would also pray like, God, bring this to life for me. What are you speaking? If we don't have the balance of I'm temple, I'm filled the spirit of God. And he's a good shepherd who is speaking and he's powerful to break the chains and deliver me from the oppression I feel. And his love is tangible and present and real. If we haven't moved by faith to open our hearts to experience him, then we will become people of knowledge without the fullness of a transformed heart. And we'll often become teachers of the word and yet fail to model how the word has transformed us and how it pours out of us. And that's where we, I think, find that burnout point too, right? Because the truth is so important. The knowledge is so important, but it can only sustain us so far if we're not plugged into that source of relational, experiential, wow, he's really a living God and I know him and he speaks to me and I follow him and I obey him and I love him. When those two things come together, oh man, we start to even, what overflows from us is not just knowledge, but the power of life transformed and of encounter. And we begin to encounter others and they see him through us. Well, yeah, you pour that into, you can easily pour that into children. Right. Your, your love of us can, I mean, your fire is contagious. I can feel that through oh. the airwaves here. <laughs> but as far as the book has so much scripture in it, I was amazed. I was just you know, every couple pages, there was lots of scripture in it. You're getting to know, knowing God. And we tell us again at Bible to School that, you know, this is like God's talking to you. This, right, this is right. text message to you. <laughs> you know, they understand that. But how has your desire to just be so close to God, how has that impacted your interactions with your children and sharing the gospel with them? Oh, so profoundly, so profoundly. I think I've learned the most especially when they're at these, my children are at the ages, they're so pliable. They're like dough, but they also are limited (laughs) in their, to go back to what we were just saying, like they're more limited in their mental understanding, their ability to comprehend the diction or, you know, the, the language, the word, but they they will never miss understanding the experiential love of God and the encounter with, with a mommy who's being transformed and changed and allowing that Abba father, like heart of love to flow through. They maybe can't understand the vocabulary, but they can certainly understand uh, when I'm on my knees, making eye contact with them and holding them when they're crying versus scolding them because I'm annoyed and angry. And all of these things, all of these encounters with my children, it's like having a mirror right in front of you that shows you all the areas you need refinement. And like, I need to, (laughs) I need to meet God in the same way that my children need to meet him through me. Because if I'm quick and lashing out and quick tempered, 
I'm probably perceiving that God is the same way towards me when I fail or when I struggle or when I disobey. And so it's caused this movement into the word, but really a place where there's a, there's no other option. I have to allow the word to transform me because if I don't, I'm hurting the people closest to me that I love the most. And that's hard. And it's been a wrestling match, but it's been so beautiful to see and experience God's transformational power. And then how my children, when they're met with that, grow and change as well. Kids are like all ages, the ultimate sniffer outers of hypocrisy. They are. And so if we're saying one thing to them about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the word of God, and yet they're experiencing a very different thing from us, hypocrite, they will identify it immediately. But in my home, it's made, man, on sanctification progress rapidly. (laughs) We also will fill our home with worship welcome them into experiencing God like we do. We don't force it. Hey, you better sit still in front of this, you know, the TV while this song plays and we better worship. Put your arms up. No, we worship, my husband and I, and we welcome them freely into that experience. And sometimes they're bouncing around on the couch and sometimes they're sitting down fiddling with something, but they're present and they're seeing mommy and daddy love God. And we pray out loud regularly as a family. Not because we sit there and taught them, now this is the way that you should pray, but because when they see us struggling or needing God, they see us come together, pray and petition Him. You know, all of these things our children learn through sight and experience more quickly than they, at least mine, necessarily learn through what's being said to them. And so that's the environment we've tried to create in our home of hospitality, of unity, of fellowship, of generosity, selflessness, of all these traits that the Lord says are righteous and good. We focus on exhibiting them, not just talking about them, so that it can only more thoroughly reinforce and click in our children's minds of, oh, when they say that, that's what they mean. I've seen them live it. And I hope that balanced presentation of what it looks like to be a follower of Yeshua, of Jesus, I hope that is what will ultimately raise them up in the way they should go and show them what is right. Well, there's some grandparents out there. You're talking to parents. I'd love to know what you would say to grandparents as well. Well, this will tie right back to what I mentioned at the beginning, this multi-generational family team on mission together. That's not just my husband and I and our children. My parents actually, well, my, my mom and my stepdad, so believe in the heart of this as well. They they built a home that backs up to our property for proximity to be near. Now, not everyone has the, yeah, well, more than babysitting, really sewing in their present, right? And, and I can seek out counsel from them when I need it. And sometimes I don't want it because it's my own mom and I'm not, <laughs> I'm trying to show her that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, but the reality is we, we try to really cultivate rich relationship with their grandparents, with our parents still. And my husbands are all the way in Colorado. They're nowhere close, but we still cultivate those relationships. We call, we FaceTime, we just took you know a summer trip and we're able to kind of reunite. We're about to go back up there because work overlaps with where they live. you know. And I think just for grandparents, the encouragement of the days are not done when you've reached a certain age like the kid's 18 and suddenly they move out and oh, now they're a mom of their own with children. No, 
these are where you in the season that you're in hold such deep vats of wisdom and knowledge and experiential encounter. And I would encourage any grandparents listening, let this be the time that you intentionally draw near and sow in and pour out as your own children ask, but also pour out over your grandchildren. I see the delight in my eyes when my children climb into their their grandparents' laps and, and hear stories of like what they did or walked through or Yes. Right. right what was right. it like when there was no electricity or TV? <laughs> but that legacy learning, I think, is so important from our children as well. And it's kind of missed in our culture that moves very fast from one thing to the next and actually seems to discount the older generation. Like we had figured out on our own, right? Oh, y'all don't know how to do technology like we do. Oh, we have information at our fingertips. Well, great. We may have information at the stroke of a key to Google, but we don't have experiential learning knowledge like we could glean from the ones ahead of us. So I would encourage grandparents to just be open and invested in that way. And even in their own hearts, remember they carry such a storehouse of wealth and wisdom and so much to pour out. And so to not feel inadequate or disqualified or undesired in that capacity, but offer freely what the Lord's given us freely. So we've received, we, we give. Being present, loving, pouring that out. So important. Well, that's I love that. Great, great stuff. Being a role model, being filled up to the brim with, mm. with knowing God and fully knowing him and being fully known. And I tell you that that those are things that we need to hear. We think about, and you can tell the children, we think about what can we do? What can we do? Well, being who we are, who God designed us to be, and being confident in that as a role model really speaks to children. Like you said, you're, you're an example to them 24 seven. And so uh, thank you for, for reminding us of that Mo. And thank you for spending time with us at this podcast. Would you do me a favor? Would you please end us in prayer? Cause we would love to pray for the intergenerational faith and knowing God. Yes, absolutely. Abba father, Lord, today we receive you as just that. Father, your character and your heart is our leader, our caretaker, and our example, God. We thank you that you've gifted us with the calling, with the mandate, with the assignment to replicate your nature and your character in those same roles. Father and mother, grandfather, grandmother, even aunts and uncles listening in, we thank you for the design of family, that it reveals your heart that it is such a rich love. It compels us to draw near to you that we might be at our best, that we might be transformed, that we might be sanctified to become more like you so that we can see the health and the thriving of our families and of our children. We thank you for this model you've given us. We thank you for the invitation to play a part and seeing kingdom come. And above all, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, for your life, your death, your resurrection as son, Lord, and for your gift of spirit that dwells within us and makes all of this possible when we feel hopeless or discouraged or like we're at the end of the rope. Lord, in our weakness, you are strong. You are the one who continues to bear fruit when we lean into you. 
So thank you for the invitation to lean in, to be the branch attached to the vine, to know intimacy and connection with you that we may be filled and be able to pour out. We love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mo, for being such a blessing to us today and for being a blessing everywhere you go. So we appreciate you and your family. So again, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Wow. What an important conversation. Friends, we're doing good and holy work when we ask and answer the big questions kids have about faith and God. Here at Bible to School, we aren't backing down from tough questions our kids have, and we're thrilled to partner with like-minded people who have a passion for the gospel and reaching the next generation. We're doing that in a variety of ways, but I wanna make sure you have an invitation to subscribe to this podcast, the You Can Tell the Children podcast, and leave a rating and review. That's a huge encouragement and a help to us. Thank you. And if you feel that nudge from the Lord to begin stepping out in your effort to reach the children in your local school system with Jesus, would you reach out to us? We want to help fan that into a flame and find out if Bible to School would be a good fit in your community. You can do that on our website at bible2school.com. That's the word Bible, the number two, school.com. We can't wait to hear from you. You won't want to miss next week's episode. We're talking to one of my favorites, Jamie Ivey, and that episode is fantastic. You can tell the children about the love of Jesus, and we are cheering you on. See you next week.